Amsterdam Talk season. Welcome back to another episode of Amsterdam Talk season two, episode eight. Tonight, we're going to get into a topic that could be really triggering, that's really touchy, that should have been, that was last month. Um, Last month was Domestic Violence Month. Um, We tried to get Miss Steele on last month, but she had prior engagement last month. So as she kept her word, she came on today. So now we have Miss Patricia Steele on today. How you doing, Miss Steele? I am great, Rod. Thank you so kindly for having me. Oh, you you know, before we get into it, you got to tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. Well, this month is Domestic Violence Awareness Month as well as Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I thought it was last month. Yeah, no, we we celebrate, you know, I celebrate all year, every day. But absolutely, um, uh, we are giving um, just accolades to those who have been surviving and thriving. And a little bit about myself, I am an 11-year survivor of domestic violence, Um, not just a survivor, but a thriver, um, as well as a uh, going on 11-year breast cancer survivor as well from the trauma of the domestic violence. So I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm always celebrating, always grateful um, for being here and being able to inspire others and also give uh, educate those, support those, provide resources for anyone experienced either one of those crises. Um, I am the founder of Patty Inspires Inc. here in Atlanta and um, I just, just started it about a year ago, a nonprofit organization where we inspire, we affirm, we educate, and we support those who are going through the crisis. We provide safety plans. We design them specified by whatever situation you're in, because our goal is to decrease the fatality rate of our women, men, and children who are trying to escape that um, crisis of domestic violence. Okay, so you know, with Patty Inspires Inc. is like, you know, you say you do they, do these women or men come down and actually have a conversation with like counselors, or they just come in like support groups and just tell a story. Well, we are we just started last year, so basically, I've been. Um, called in by other people as you uh, because I tell my story and what I do. I get people who uh, we just had a, a female in Canada that we were able to assist and uh, coaching her on how to escape trauma. So basically um, right now is we, I have a page on Facebook as well as on Instagram where people can reach out to me. Um, and again, when you're in a crisis of domestic violence, it's not easy for them to even really communicate. So I also have an ebook where I have the information on how to get in touch with someone for safety purposes, which is 1-800-799-SAFE. And then as I continue to communicate with the individuals, my first contact was on the platform I met you, um, where they were having rooms and people just came in and were telling their story. And as they told their story, I was able to connect with um, others who were still um, either dealing with domestic violence, trying to transition or coming out of it and then gaining uh, additional resources on how to start recovering, healing, and then begin to thrive. Okay. For those who know we met on, we met on Clubhouse. (laughs) I was breathing through Clubhouse uh, one night and I just go pick up rooms and just say, Hey, I want to see what's going on because I feel like 
these um, topics are important. For those who've been following this for the last two years, they know we bring the important topics on that people need to talk about um, because you never know what somebody's going through. And this one show, this one hour could actually like, okay, this is what I need to do um, to get myself in a position better, just not dealing with um, DV or, you know, breast cancer. It could just be anything. You could just suck at dating. Uh, Absolutely. You could, you could have problem parenting. You could like one of the shows we're doing next month, like a caregiver. How do you care for a person that's, uh, you know, mother, father, grandfather, you know, uh, grandmother that's sickly that you have to care for? Um, we've done shows about depression, suicidal thoughts, things like that. Um, women cheating. So it's always something that we do mention. We do all of that. So I'm glad that you actually responded to us, that you came on to be able to let us know what you know, how we could, how some people can escape these things. So like you said in the back, we won't use the word, we won't use the word abuser. Mm -hmm. We're gonna use the word aggressor. Aggressor, yes. So, you know, the aggressor. So, you know, so this is about domestic violence awareness. So I guess we should start at the pinnacle, at the top. Like, how do you know, like, when people get into these situations, like, is the red flags ignored or, you know, I guess that's where we can stop that. Like, how do you get into this situation? And, you know, that is a great question, Rod. And I, and, you know, when I started my organization, Patty Inspires, the name came from one of my, my dearest friends, April. And because I was going through the domestic violence and then as me and my sons were transitioning, um, still being a single parent, then once I got out of it, then being diagnosed with breast cancer, I had so many crises going on. But as you said, when you're dealing with red flags and you're in it, most of the time when you start off, you think it's just you because you start okay. blaming yourself. So you're saying, well, you know, maybe I'm, you know, getting on his nerves because let me tell you, there are traits of an abuser. Uh, uh, an, okay, we said an aggressive person mm -hmm. because, uh, and they, they call them narcissists. So they have certain traits. They have a trait of control, power. They know how to talk to you and, and they start beginning to isolate you. All those things occurred, but to me, the camouflage was still, but I love you. You know, it was always, where are you going? What street you going down? Yeah, And I'm thinking, oh, you know, you just care about us and, you know, you're just wondering where we're at. Instead of understanding the control was, I want to make sure you stay home. I want to make sure you're where I can put my hand on you. So it doesn't, they don't start out that way. You have where they, it's called gaslight you. And literally, um, you're saying, oh, this person's so nice because they're not going to show you who they really are. But one trait that um, is key that I was raised to know, and that's how do they treat their family? How do they treat okay. a parent? That is a key factor. And many times when you meet someone, they're not going to show you they don't get along with their family. And that was my biggest key. My key was to believe that they were you know, a family person, they all got along and everybody played the role. But once you get in, that's when you see, oh, wait a minute, this isn't really what I think it is. So when you're getting to learn that individual, 
um, the word is called a target. They kind of target individuals. They can kind of find traits in you that you don't see in yourself. They have that type of characteristic where they try to find something about you that they feel they can prey on. And then they just start coming in with, you know, different, you know, when mine started was, oh, I'll take you here and oh, da, 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 da. And, you know, just everything that I wanted to hear. Once I started getting pulled in, once I started getting pulled in, I'm thinking, wait a minute, what's going on here? But by the time you really start realizing that you're kind of in there, mine okay. was we started, you know, we were starting a family and I'm like, um, oh my gosh, there was no physical at the time. It really wasn't even uh, emotional that they played their part. Okay. And they do have red flags because they have traits. It's certain traits that they have. So what, what are these, these traits? I mean, you said narcissism off top. I saw that, you know, you was talking about gaslighting and all that. And this kind of coexists with the last show we did two weeks ago about dealing with people who are narcissists. But we didn't touch on to this part where it becomes abusive. Where as far as the physical, we yes. talked about the mental and emotional. But now it becomes like physical. So Absolutely. And, and economical. And some, you know, it's so many layers of when you say abuse, you can have financial abuse, you can have emotional, like you spoke on, uh, the physical. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I dealt with the physical, but I, um, I would sometimes rather you hit me than to keep emotionally talking to me verbally down because that was so more of a lasting effect than you hitting me um so there is so much jealousy they were it was just controlling it got to the point where i the literally the aggressor was like it's either me or your family i wouldn't mm. talk on the phone it started where they were like everything was who you talking to and then i would literally cut my 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 family off i would i would talk on the phone and as soon as i heard them coming in the door or you know pulling up i gotta go and they'd be like what's wrong i gotta go and then you begin to get isolated but again it, it depends on the type when i say trait every every aggressor is not going to use the same technique okay. or, or you know everybody's technique is different they use what has worked for them first of all you need to know you're not the first target secondly they're going to use what worked on the last one and then may add some additional um uh strategies because okay. they're strategists and um and i'm not applauding them but what the thing is is that's why when patty inspires is um trying to do is educate you know when you're in situations it's always you know you can always say leave just get your stuff and leave but at the end of the day when i was saying hey i'm leaving this over that's when it became volatile that's when it was i'm gonna take your life and and the children it, so that is not the way i i feel that is always the safest way the goal is to lessen the fatality rate of our women and men with intimate partner violence. It's not always domestic violence. You have intimate partner violence. You have teen dating violence. Again, they're gonna tell you there's a sweetheart uh, time. There's a loving time where they pull you in. And once you get comfortable, you're in it to the point where you're like, how did I get here? How did this happen? Right. Um, and, and, I'm funny, and it's funny you bring it up about teen dating. Cause actually when I was doing some research for the show earlier, and I was reading that the young lady, she was telling her story and she was like, well, 
he basically told me I didn't want to have sex with him. So basically he told me if I don't have sex with him, he was going to kill himself. He was suicide. Mm -hmm. He was going to kill himself with his own gun. So I'm like, you know, when you really think about it, I understand um, mentally things like that can happen. But you have other people out here who, you know, satisfy that need for you um, that you can go to. So why do you want to put this trauma just on this person? But like you said, as a strategy, I'm isolating you now to trick you into giving me what I want. I'm really probably not going to do it. But you don't want to take that opportunity to tell me to not give me what I want because I might do it. And then that's, that's, the persuasive. that's part of their persuasiveness, their charismatic um, behavior, because, uh, again, they're going to tell you whatever they can pull you in with. Mine was I'm the black sheet of the family. Nobody likes me. So, of course, I'm thinking, oh, well, I'm not going to turn on you. You know, they know how to pull you in. Oh, I'm not I'm, I'm going to be there for you. Everybody's left me. I'm alone. And, you know, it's just me. And, you know, I just want somebody who will stick by me. You know what? Another was, you know, stay with me for 10 years and, and, and I'll never leave. You. I mean, they literally use this um, strategy and at the end of the day when you you're out of it you think you're like wow and and i think too what they find is they look for strength in someone just to break them down i think they thrive off of that they thrive off of of, of just breaking down someone to the point where you're you don't have that same confidence of yourself because I was a very confident individual. You know, I was in a, a management position on my job. I, I was in leadership. But man, when I came to myself, I was literally bleeding going to work in my heart. I was so broken that mm -hmm. I didn't even know how to start getting myself together. And, and, and until I started being able to think a little clearer and start making action meaning restraining orders and protecting me and our and my children okay so basically you know they just leeching on to you to push Absolutely. themselves up Absolutely. break you down for them to find strength from themselves so you brought up the last piece about restraining orders and peace orders um do they really work At, honestly <laughs> i have four um in the state i live in uh, well, I know in other states, it all depends on how the law is. But in my state, I had to get four for it to really penetrate that you have to stop. And it was kind of trying to keep. But I mean, my first restraining order, they came as if it was nothing. You know, I had to literally push the law uh, to get to serve them with it till I literally called and said, can you can you serve this? Because they're still not getting it and then it was served and it would still continue but again both parties have to because again when you're trying to escape that type of uh control and that you have to literally make a really conscious decision that you want to get away from it when some um victims do not make that good decision right. we think that we can change a person and that's only because of the nature of the, you know, when you're intimate, that's that's the goal. Like you said, with the young lady said, the sex part, if I can get you intimate with me, there's a part of you that I can touch once I'm intimate with you. I can, I can charismatically charm you into 
don't do what they say. I'm not going to hurt you. You don't need that paperwork. It's, it's I'm, I'm going to be all right. We're going to be all right. When honestly, it, it doesn't always end that way until they get help. You, you have to literally understand that they were like that before you met them and you cannot change a person they have to want to change. Right, right. I mean, because, you know, we have actual television programs. One of the shows I actually watch is Fatal Attraction. Um, yeah, Fatal Attraction, you have For My Man, you have Snap, you have all these shows that show these things of, you know, how jealousy and love and, you know, change it around and somebody's getting killed or certain situations like that. But, you know, you said you started a family. So, like, any yes. of this happened while you were pregnant? Uh, my first child, it didn't happen during the um, our first the first child. Uh, it did not actually start till after the child was born. Okay. And I mean, it started right after the child was born. Literally, um, it got to the point where I had to watch, um, you know, it got intense where I was having to protect the child from going. Um, they would try to take the child from me just you know blatantly take the child i had an incident where i had to call to get my child back um because they were in an apartment with my child but because uh, you know if the based on the relationship you know i had it, it was real intense um so when you're having children or or children are involved again you're not the only victim they become right. a victim too and this is from trauma everyone's going to be traumatized when you stay in this volatile type of situation with domestic violence okay so i mean i, I get it the threats were made against you were any other threats made against like your family your family or you know your children like what type of threats were made if there were any um i mean basically um, you know, you're leaving me. I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to, you can't go to anyone else but me, period. Mm. I will take your life. And so when you hear that, you, you see stuff like that on TV, but when you hear it in real life, there's a whole nother level of what is going on here. And we've experienced that several times. We've had many times where we've had to vacate the home and just stay in a hotel or vacate and go into another state just to be safe. Um, so again, the decision is so important and so necessary that that is why with Patty Inspires, I never want anyone else to go through it by themselves as I did. I many times didn't sleep for weeks on at a time because I slept with shoes on the side of the bed just in case. Or if I go to sleep, well, there'll be a pillow over my face. Or I mean, and and that you know, it's because again, you set up a family, you have a house, you have car, you know. So when you're establishing things again. You're thinking this person's going to be your mate. You're feeling that, you know, they say they love you. But one thing I learned is the difference between someone being your partner or your competition. And lots of times when you are dealing with an aggressor, they're mm -hmm. not your mate or your partner. They are literally your competition. Okay. So, because of their characteristic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, their characteristic mm -hmm. makes them in competition. Well, you so like... I guess, you know, you said, you know, you were doing this. And so has like small things like 
maybe possibly you was making more money or you got a raise or something went right in your life and it's not going right in his life and did any of those things happen where it's just as like spark things up for arguments financial the biggest arguments were financial or you know if i was like i don't feel good today i'm not going to you better go to work you know i you know i work very you know have a very good career um and um when they see that you know you're kind of that security um in my situation you know we had two two totally different um type of careers uh, entrepreneur career and then i had my you know job you know mm -hmm. corporate environment so yeah that's a paycheck of money and and financial abuse is a level and a layer of abuse and i'm still recovering and it's been 10 years um mm. still recovering because you've established them some things together and they you know and i i tell people that if i'm not careful when you know someone comes at me financially and they don't you know fulfill it or they come to me and try to kind of like i feel like they're taking from me it gives me that re you know that same feeling of you're trying to take from me to to lower me or to take away from me versus to add and um you know to my life because that's what they do financial abuse is very real um so and there's a lot of uh men and women depending on who you know if it's what type of uh domestic situation trying to recover from that as well Gotcha. I got you. So, you know, what Patty inspires and you speak like um, to these men and women that come in, like, do you like give them the opportunity like to or you do you guys give them tools like evaluating the impact of domestic violence on like the young children in the family? Because I'm pretty sure some children actually witnessed this. They see Absolutely. it. My children did. Okay. So see, um, and uh, that's a great um, point as well, that because my children experienced it, I had to, it was actually uh, my oldest who said, mommy, someone will treat you better. Because I was staying in it thinking that, you know, I don't want them to think that I'm trying to break up the family or anything like that. But once they become of age, they kind of are seeing it for themselves. And he was vocal enough to say, mom, and he was pretty, He, my sons were really my strength. And so when you have children involved, the smallest one who's really the victim in this situation is the child, because they see that even now, my, my uh, sons are in their 20s, and I speak to them about their relationships. I speak to them about therapy, you know, you know, you need that support. Let's talk about it. Are you having issues? Because um, there's a residue that's left on you once you are in this type of situation. Okay, so, you know, it does leave an effect on you witnessing witnessing it, but what's the chances um, of, you, of a, a child witnessing that and actually go that route as well when they become older? Like, they think it's okay. Absolutely. They think that that is, they're traumatized. Right. So what happens with trauma, if it's uh, presented constantly, they normalize it. So to them, that's how you're supposed to treat someone. So, uh, and I can only speak on me uh, based on my experience because I have two boys. So think right. of what I was thinking that I got to get them out of this. If I, I have to save them. And so that's why I say I constantly speak with them, see how they... Re 
how they treat me, then I'll know how they'll treat in their relationship. And that was the thin line that um, moms don't understand when your sons and your children see you allowing someone to abuse you. That level of respect goes down or it goes up. My sons, Lord, I'm, I'm blessed that they stuck by me through that situation as well as going through breast cancer. So they were able to see, and the, as soon as I was diagnosed with breast cancer, my oldest son said, it came from this mom. I know what it came from because okay. they saw what I went through. So there's a very thin line when you are accepting that type of behavior. And what we don't point out also is that aggressor is looking at you as well. Anytime you allow someone to treat you a certain way, we feel we're being loyal to them, but they're mm -hmm. looking at you like, is that what you value yourself? Because it comes to a value of yourself and a worth of yourself because you're already broken. They've broken you down. So you have to find something. And in my ebook, I have a whole chapter that says, my son's my reason, because they were my reason that pulled enough strength to say, if you got to raise them yourself, then let's just do this. Got you, got you, got you, got you on that as well. So there's a term um, that most know, batted, batted woman syndrome. Yeah. So how do you like analyze the concept of battered woman syndrome in the context of domestic violence? A battered woman syndrome. And again, um, it's so true because once you've experienced that type of a level of, again, battered, because mm -hmm. again, there's all types of levels of abuse, financial, some people were only emotionally abused. Right. Uh, spoken to, but when you deal with battered, I had got to the point, and even now, I don't sleep in a room with a closed, you know, with a closed door. Um, okay. I don't watch certain movies. Um, I love the movie enough, but I can't watch it because it triggers. You have certain That's triggers. That's Jennifer Lopez, right? Yes. Okay. And I love the movie, but I can't watch it because it triggers that that right. mind. It triggers even in new relationships. You have that syndrome that you feel this person's going to do me this way again, and you have. That is why Patty inspires. Our goal is to reaffirm who we are. Let every individual know you were brave enough to come out of this it took courage you are beautiful you deserve better and use a lot of affirmation because when you are battered and abused you go silent and right. i was silent i did not use my voice and i i was a very outgoing person i was the class clown i sang in every choir but i found myself alone and silent and you've been battered and your voice has been taken literally i would be sitting in church bleeding just hurting um I, I couldn't even open my mouth to say help me and it seemed like people were just passing me so when you say a battered woman syndrome you would even find it in how someone talks to you and they don't even have to be a partner but just how someone aggressively comes at you you immediately like wait you're talking to me a certain way you're i even tell my son sometimes wait watch how you talk now. don't don't because you're, you're giving me flashbacks but that's why you're called the thriver and that's why i say when women when um any of the victims are experiencing this i want them to know there's another side 
you're not just a survivor. You begin to thrive. You begin to overcome certain things, but you also are always in a thriving mode because like I say, I know what my points are, my triggers. And they're called triggers because I know, uh, I better not do that. Oh, uh, I don't need to talk to that person. Um, and learn how to sever certain relationships and love yourself. You learn to cover yourself, protect your heart and your mind. Oh, okay. Uh, let me ask you, these are fish on my shirt. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to do those like... fish on my shirt. Um, I forgot where I was at. Okay, so um, we talked about battered woman syndrome. So um, uh, where is next? What I want to go with this? So, um, you know, you have this battered woman syndrome and, you know, we switch it over to men for a second because a lot of men won't talk about it, you know, because that makes you look weak in society that you actually letting your your partner, whether it's a woman, I mean, especially if it's a woman, beat you up or do whatever, you know, she's doing to you. So I know what happens in that. And in the gay community, mm -hmm. does this happen as well? Absolutely. I'm glad another great point. I just had a boots on, we call it boots on the ground experience with a same sex intimate partner violence. And um, what I got out of it, I, I started seeing signs and I was saying to the individuals, you know, you might want to separate because once blows start coming, um, and especially when you have two dominant spirits, you're going to, it's going to, it can intensify. So someone has to leave and uh, it continued for about eight months and I stayed engaged with this situation. Um, and I'm going to go spiritual because I, I had to really pray because it was getting so intense that the end of the situation it started getting where I was getting pictures of one of the parties bleeding they were fighting and you know hitting each other and one thing that came to me was uh when i was seeing this i was like oh my god is this what i did to my family when i was going through because when you're getting um uh you know treated or battered you you will find someone you can trust to tell but then once you don't leave they start getting tired and don't want to be around it no more they're like well why haven't you left why are you staying in it and then you find yourself kind of alone in this situation that's kind of what i was um dealing with with the same sex uh violence situation and it just kept getting more intense they would calm down a little until police became you know got involved and the last part of it was someone was arrested and charged um for actually a weapon came into it so you know when we see the signs mm -hmm. even with same sex the one party was saying they need me they can't do without you know they need my help and then the other party saying well i'm helping but you need to do what i'm telling you it still ends up with control and it still has that other one who feels they can change that other individual. And that's when you start dealing with domestic violence on that level. Because someone's saying, I need you. And the other one's saying, oh, I can help you. I'm your savior. When in essence, that is not our, that's not even our position in a, a relationship. Okay. So we're really going out of our bounds in a relationship. So, you know, you, you're, with, you're isolated with this person and it's like family members, like 
does one reach out and tell a family member like, hey, this is what's going on? You want to? Um, I did. I had many family members. Uh, well, I don't want to say many. I had, thank God for my mom, my stepmom. She was there through it all. Um, and I did reach out to her. I had a godmom that I talked to. But even now, you know, they all got to the level where they were like, listen, what are you going to do? We, we need this to stop because they were literally feeling kind of the intensity I was. You know, my mom would be like, you know, she would call me. And if I didn't answer, she'd call me again. And she'd be like, listen, you can't not answer the phone. Right. I was like, I get you, mom. I understand. I was maybe sleep or something like that. And I've lost relationships. I've lost where people came to help me. But to them, I was actually okay with it. Like, you're going back. No, I'm not going back, but I have a house. I mean, that's where I live. I don't have, again, financial abuse, money to just up and get another place. What am I to mm -hmm. do? Now, um, when I got serious and said, listen, this got to stop. I, we went to a shelter. We were in one room. My kids had one bed and I had one bed. We got used to being together. But that's when you make an intelligent decision. But as you're going through it, yes, when you tell family members, some will stick with you and some won't. Some will be like, listen, obviously, I can't help you. You want this. And then some you just don't tell. So um, it depends on having a safe space. And that's also, again, with Patty Inspires. Our goal is to create a safe space where, where you are not judged. How I started coming out of this, and I'm, if I'm going on, Rod, I'm sorry. No, no, go with it, go with it, go with it. Um, as go I started go transitioning out of domestic violence is I started calling 1-800 numbers. I started calling a stranger. Even though you want to go to family, I learned a stranger's not going to judge me or ever see me or ever bring it up because they're just over the phone. They don't know me. And I will call 1-800 numbers at night um, for those that are dealing with domestic violence. And I would tell them what I was going through. And the only thing they were telling me was my worth. They were able, they didn't judge me. They didn't know me. I would never see them. They would never see me, but they were able to give me an organic conversation with no family attached, no, well, you know, this happened with so-and-so and so-and-so. It was an organic assistant or organic conversation where you felt safe enough to say, man, I'm getting hurt. Somebody's hurting me all the time what should I do? And they never tell you what to do. And again, at Patty Inspires, I don't tell individuals what to do. I provide information. I provide safety strategies. And that to me is priceless when you're trying to exit out of domestic violence. So I do. I was talking to family members um, that I felt safe with. And there were others who were like, well, obviously that's what you want, you know, that's what you want or you would leave. Well, I've left. It's been four restraining orders. Where else, um, you know, what else am I supposed to do? Why? And then you get to the point where why am I always leaving? Why won't someone restrain this aggressor? In my case, my aggressor was never truly restrained. Mm. Uh, got you. So how do you feel like the role of the police, well, the, you know, the judicial system, the law, actually protecting people against it? How do you feel about that, protecting people against it? Um, domestic violence 
for me personally, I don't, they didn't for me. Um, I think that uh, law enforcement needs to be trained. Uh, many times when I would call, they would say, if you keep calling, both of y'all are going to get locked up and you'll lose your children. I was only calling because I needed help. So what I had to do was understand that they're not trained uh, in dealing with victims. Uh, because again, you're also dealing with some type of mental health. They're just coming out to handle somebody. So when I would call, I was very cautious when I would call because after the first couple encounters, they weren't coming to help me. They weren't coming to really, they were like, well, I mean, how many times have you called already? I had a neighbor who was a, um, an actual police officer. And after a while he was like, listen, you know, they're going to take somebody. They ain't going to keep coming and not arrest somebody. Well, I right. wasn't giving blows. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm in danger. Why won't someone help us? So I don't think the training is in place um, where they will understand advocacy versus enforcement because there's a level of advocacy and defusing but my aggressor would always leave once they came they never stuck around so they would one night they were looking for them in the woods and stuff and you know it, yeah and so yeah it i mean when i say it's a very intense um situation when you are truly dealing with a domestic violence um, you need a hotline, you need safety, you need a plan, and you need to exit. All right, so I, I really know that this doesn't have any race, color, creed in it, you know, domestic violence, but when you think of like the racial and ethnic background on it, like what's the numbers look like? Is it more, you know, African Americans, uh, Caucasian males, or other minorities that like have high numbers with this? Like what you see through patty inspires and that's a great question too our statistics is normally uh what we're looking at is those who are at a certain um level uh, urban level uh, mm -hmm. again when you're dealing with domestic violence it doesn't have anything to do we've had calls from people who are wives of, of men who make a lot of money and you know prestigious you would never think that they deal with uh, situations like this again they call in on a hotline a lot of the numbers if you really went by numbers a lot of people do not um give out a lot of information when you're dealing with domestic violence they're just really wanting to talk to someone there is a high rate in the black community because in the black community we've literally normalized trauma because we've been in trauma for so long we've always felt a level of trauma and it becomes normalized that well he just tripping today or maybe i just didn't clean up and he had an attitude because we feel that uh our level of um trauma is so accepting to certain behaviors so where we would say you know you don't deserve that well maybe i did something wrong maybe it's something i could have said differently now it's it's really no different than any other household any other creed and a lot of it also is the culture of individuals their belief system I had to I had to tweak my belief system. I literally I was raised in church. I believe pray for him. He's going to get better. That's really a lot of why I stayed. Well, I'm praying 
He hasn't gotten back. Well, what? And yeah, then I'm thinking something's wrong with my prayers. You yeah, know, but did you so, ever question yourself and say, God, why me? Absolutely. I'm thinking, wait, Lord, I know you didn't. I know this is not what you designed for me. However, you still look at yourself because, again, remember, their goal is to break you down. I was already broken. So lots of times when you're you're in a broken situation, your thought process isn't even clear. I had got, I was so broken sometimes. I didn't even want to wake up. I didn't want to see the sunlight. It was just so broken. So a lot of times you're blaming yourself. I'm like, well, maybe I didn't pray enough. I, you know, let me get in the prayer line again. You know, pray for. And I had to tweak my belief system. Now, if my belief system was a little different, absolutely, I cannot see me going through those certain situations. I absolutely don't. But a lot of what I was taught was, oh, just pray for him. You know, he's going to be all right. God's going to change. He didn't because it's a personal decision. And so I had to start forgiving myself. And that's a big piece of it as well. When you're in something like that, you have to forgive yourself for making certain choices and move on and begin to recover. But as you were asking me in the question and the different ethnic groups, yes, there is a high rate in minority groups, but it's also a very high rate. And now that we're in a pandemic, so many things that were not seen previously are being right. seen now. The high level of calls coming from all groups, including non-minority, is escalating. And this is why now it's not considered just a crisis with domestic violence. It's considered an epidemic. Mm -hmm. I have a nurse that um, I'm associated with, and she has an organization for domestic violence. And she's like, let me tell you something. This is an epidemic. Every day, a woman or a man is coming in with some type of injury due to domestic violence. And it has to be uh, spoken about and it has to be more awareness given to it. Well, I, it kind of related back to the narcissist show that we did two weeks ago. You know, the pandemic put us in a situation. You know, it was always you were passing by. He was going to work. You were coming in. Yes. You were going to work. He was coming in. Now for the last 19, 20 months, however many months we've been in it. Well, let's take it back to 2020, basically, because every you can do a little bit more now. But 2020 in itself, you were confined in the house with this person and you really didn't know who you were with because y'all were just passing by it was like we work we come home we eat we sleep and then we get up and repeat the cycle and that's it so now being to come to a house with somebody for 20 months, especially the first six months yes things just you know go out of control so i guess what the nurse is saying yes it's an epidemic because now you're seeing it now because you don't know your partner you you sure don't <laughs> you are realizing that is this the person i really thought you i think that you had to deal with what's really going on we we've had to really um become um more aware of what's really going on and the relationships are not as solid as we thought we the, with the person you're able to see the true character of the individual at this point um so statistically i think in um on an average nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused and or intimate partner relationships in the united states and that is huge that is huge and it, it only intensifies the more that we are in a 
crisis. And I'm going to tell you, crisis brings out who people really are. A storm brings out who people really are, the true you, how you are able to manage your level of trauma. At this rate, everyone's traumatized. We've all had a level of trauma, but how do you handle it? And a lot of people are aggressive and making aggressive moves, harming each other from things that they're feeling and they don't know how to manage their different feelings. And a lot of it's mental health. We have to address things that we never had to address before. And, and this is what we're coming to because every 20 uh, minutes, someone's being abused. And, and it's a lot of times it's fatal. And that's what with Patty Inspires, we want to lessen that. We want to create, once you see that there's a pattern, I had one of the young ladies who was calling in for us, she was in the closet and her, her aggressor was right there, but she was calling us from in the closet and saying and whispering, I'm trying to get out and we're saying, but are you safe? Because you have to be smart and strategic. We did not want to cause her any additional harm if the aggressor knew she was even trying to come out of it or getting help. So, and, and this was a non-minority group individual. So it's happening everywhere and they're having to be honest right. and say, I'm getting hurt. I need to get out. And we are getting a lot more calls um, because it's just a reality that these, these things are happening. So if I have an abuser right here, are there any like code words I can use to notify y'all like this? Uh, something I can say that notify y'all like I'm really in danger, but they, the abuser doesn't know. But these are the code words we use. Absolutely. And you don't even have to say a lot of words. It could be your breathing will tell us. When this individual was calling, I knew she was not in a safe space. So she was like, hi, you know, it's a, a tone, it's a, a way they speak. And even a code word of um, someone is, is hurting me. They don't want, and they a lot of them will protect the aggressor. They don't want to say anything outwardly. So they'll say, um, I'm trying to find a way for me and my children to move, you know, move out the house or something like that. And when the more she was talking, the more I was getting concerned because as I said to her, are you safe? Where are you at? And where is the aggressor? And that's why it's challenging because um, as I stated, I have an ebook, which is a PDF that's a download so that women can, or whoever is a victim can start planning on their phone or, or, or their device advice uh, a safer way than something that's like a hard copy or a book or a workbook where they can start understanding these are the numbers you need to call they need you know you can tell that something's going on you need a safe person that you can hit one digit or a code word and that's what i have with my children a code word um um and, you know i would say to them you know banana split that means start heading to the door Okay. You need to practice those safety strategies. So you can hear in the voice of a victim um, normally how they're the, the level of intensity that they might be experiencing. Okay, where can we um, download this PDF from so they can put it up on the screen? Okay, for my ebook, the PDF is, um, and let me give you that, it's going to be, it's on payhip.com. Okay. Uh huh. It's uh well. It's my. It's a book. 
a ebook that I have. And okay. um, it is a purchased item. But with Patty Inspires, if someone is in need of it, we can definitely get that to them without, you know, purchasing. Because, again, you're dealing with financial situations. Um, one of the things that we're trying to implement with Patty Inspires is also getting gas cards to those who are trying to escape, who don't even have the money, but they're ready to leave the situation. But um, I can give you the, the website where they can purchase the ebook. But if they're not able to and they contact you, we'd be more than happy to get that um, link to them free so that they can start reading on different strategies. I get five tactics, just five tactics to start transitioning from the the abuse to so what's one of the tactics give us one of them okay well the first <laughs> your first tactic is getting um us uh support you have to get a safe person that you trust um and that's the first thing because then once you get that first safe contact and it can be a neighbor uh, where you have an uh, extra set of keys for your car because you can't go out the door if you're trying to escape an, uh, an aggressor with the keys in your hand you have that safe person also someone that your children trust that you can give that code word to and say banana split they know start heading over to the neighbor Okay, start heading over to the neighbor's house and and or you know we're we're, we're going to have to make some type of uh, exit. So one of the tactics I always say is find that safe person. If you can't, um, you have to find a, that one eight hundred number one eight hundred seven nine nine safe. You have to start with making a contact of safety. Okay. And the code word, you know, I believe in um, that code word, even between family members, because you want that code word where I, I could just call, you know, my mom and say, you know, you know, believe me and hang up or um, outside. That means mom is something going on. I need you to help me call the neighbor, call someone. Uh, there is an escalation going on. So a safety plan is so, so important. You have to collaborate with trusted friends, you, you know, and again, they don't have to be family members. They can even be a party in the transitional. I went through um, a transitional center and met the most beautiful people I'm still connected with who were not family members. I never knew them, but they were trusted and I felt safe. And that's the most important piece when you're exiting out of a situation. Got you. That that so, um, so as far as like, what's the role that the media, you know, creating awareness like in this whole domestic violence thing? Like, are the media doing a good job by creating awareness to it? Um, I think they, um, I think they deal with it on certain levels of who it's impacting. I think that. For certain groups, they make it like it's just a normal situation. You know, that's what they do. They deal with domestic violence. They harm each other. And then some groups, they make like 
you know, well, she didn't know what was going on and he heard her and she wasn't sure. Domestic violence is hitting everyone. There is no such thing as um, isolation from it. It's hit and it's hitting all ages. I have some people who are older um, individuals who are being harmed by their partner. And so now, like you said, we are dealing with something that is so, um, so needful that the so that media has to allow us to speak and and speak our truth and also react to it and get action going not only in law enforcement they need to be trained but also creating the awareness that there's an exit plan that has to be put in place in order for these fatalities to lessen because it's the fatality rate is um over uh 56.8 and that is not what we want Oh, that's high. Fifty-six point eight percent. Yeah, it's it's especially during now. It's escalated since the pandemic. Okay, so um, like you know, how do you support someone? You know, like a neighbor or a friend who's going through this, like going through domestic violence. Like, how do you support? Well, it's educating. You you know at the end of the day that's what i do you know when i was put on when i took on the assignment because i believe it's an assignment for me and my purpose and my destiny that um i continue to be supportive to someone i educate them i don't say hey you need to leave you need to what i say is this is what this is what is going on okay are you experiencing this, this, this? Did he tell you this or, or, or did the aggressor tell you this, 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 and this? Well, you know what? I need you to do this, 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 and this because you. when I'm having a trusting conversation with someone who's trying to exit, I first mm -hmm. need them to trust me. I'm not there to uh, judge them because um, many times when you're talking to them, they're listening to your tone and you can re-traumatize them as well as yourself. So you right. have to know how to talk about your, even when I talk about my experience, if I get too intense about it, I can re-traumatize myself. So I don't always go with, this is what happened to me and go on and on and on. But I educate them with, do you know statistically that, um, you know, you can come out of this with a safety plan, with five strategies that you don't have to live where every time you go in the house, you don't know if they're going to hit you. You don't know if you get in the car, they're going to choke you. Um, you don't have to live that way. You can start evolving into a healthy relationship. So I talk to them because you've already been battered. You've already been talked down to, but you have to increase that level of trust and give them that confidence of safety and also let them see who you are i let them see the authentic me i don't sugarcoat who i am right yes i've i've been there i've been um physically abused uh emotionally abused financially abused um even culturally my belief system however i want to be there for you but again when you're coming out of this it's they, the individual coming out of it has to make that decision because many stay because they either feel obligated or loyal to that individual or they feel there's no way out or they, they just don't have a safety plan. They don't have, you know, I, I, I know of, you know, a couple instances where they just said, listen, I'm leaving you. I, I don't want to be with you anymore. And that was when fatalities began to occur. 
So do these individuals, these these aggressors, do they ever change their point in life in any point without rehabilitation, like going to jail or anything like that? They just wake up one morning and say, I can't be doing this. If they have a strong tribe, if they have people around them, again, I am a believer of who you're around and the language. I, I can talk to someone and know if they even want to come out of a relationship because right. their language will tell me if they're saying, well, you know, they're going to, you know, he just was mad. You know, I can tell by language. And also with an individual who's an aggressor, it, they're, they've been, most people who hurt you have been hurt already themselves. They, and they need to, um, first accept and say that they've been hurt and get a trusting source and get help, uh, mental support, uh, trauma support, because again, they're only going to continue to go from individual to individual and you, you won't be the last, you, you know, individual, they will continue and we call them targets. Um, they will continue to find a target to, and that's how they thrive. That's, that's what they do. Now, some may change some may change but it's characteristics it's traits okay um i got lost in my train of thought what i was getting ready to say <laughs> because i was like i said i was doing research for the show and i ran across a story earlier a lady says she was shot nine times she was paralyzed but she mm -hmm. said she doesn't care about being a paraplegic anymore she was just happy that she was away from that situation absolutely and she was absolutely. shot nine times and I bet it was also when she was trying to exit, when she was trying to leave and say, listen, you know what? And 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 when I, when I said it, I was very calm. You know what? I don't think this is going to work. Um, you know, let's just go. And it was explosive. It was explosive. That day, I really was close to losing my life. Mm. And so, uh, and, and again, my, uh, my sons were there. And so I knew that this could not continue. This right. could not continue. So you will hear in someone's language if they want to escape from that, because it is literally an exit that, that must be taken um, strategically to ensure that there is no fatalities or no harm caused to you. Oh, that's a good one right there. Someone just said, if you abuse someone who commits suicide, you can be charged with murder. And, you know, it's and it varies from state to state, the law. And I think, too, um, even when you go to court dealing with this, you need support there. I know when you go to restraining or uh, getting restraining orders, you go to women resource centers. So those are also a lot of entities that that help build um, uh a bridge and a covering over victims and let them know that you don't have to, you know, be harmed, that this individual is harming you and that you, you don't have to be harmed. There should be some type of recollection and some type of consequences for their behavior. Okay. We had another question earlier and it, it just, that's what I was trying to think about. She stated that, you know, dealing with Island men that women just said, or people said, that's just him. Like, Mm hmm. Cultural. Um, that is another piece. And that's why I said um, I had some uh, um, individuals I was working with who culturally their culture is women are lesser than a man. 
and that is what they are taught so men treat them that way but as uh we are uh, women are getting more educated and understanding that i don't deserve that type of behavior that's when they're learning that this is not normal is it's, he should not be treating me like this and that's when they begin to find that trusting source and again they may not find it in their family because remember you have generational cultural identities in, in, in a lot of families that say, well, you know, your grandfather did that to me. He don't mean nothing. And they were okay with it. Well, Where, you know, it's a different now because, you absolutely. know, women actually make more than men now. Those glory days where the woman just <laughs> had to stick around, you know, for being abused and having him, you know, cheat on you with the lady down the street because, you know, they provided for you. Mm -hmm. You didn't have a way to provide. But now, you know, women are making masses of money and, you know, just it's not the same anymore, I should say. They have a voice now. So it's they like have a voice. I have and a some voice. women, you know, they don't even care about the money. They just want the love. And a lot of women, and I don't want to say women, but uh, individuals who are in a, a relationship, there are some good traits in that individual. I'm not even saying they're bad people. I've, I've had good type days with my aggressor and I've had very bad days. So again, you have to see which outweighs which. You have to make, again, what Patty Inspires does is educate so we can make an intelligent or the individual can make an intelligent decision that was healthy and also connect the trauma. Because when I came out of it, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I'll also educate what the effects of trauma does to your body. A one in seven women who experience trauma will have some type of cancer. It can be breast cancer, ovarian cancer, and it's statistically known that trauma creates uh, different cortisones in our body. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I came out and felt, you know, hey, I can just start, you know, um, living, which I did, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, but I was blessed that it was early stage, went through that as well, but never uh, told an, the aggressor or anything about what I was going through but my sons and family stuck with me. So we want to just not get to that point where we have to go through all of that and just know that there's billions of people in the world. You don't have to be with one person who's going to cause you harm. Someone will love you as you are. It's been linked to dementia. Oh, dementia. oh yeah. yeah. A trauma will affect your body in so many ways. And, and again, like I said, I was diagnosed with breast cancer about a year after I, um, fully came out of, you know, and started recovering from the um, trauma of the relationship. So, um, you know, again, education, education is key when you are dealing with escaping and removing yourself, because a lot of people feel that you're just telling, you know, a story of, of something when you're telling a true story um, again. Um, and I know you were talking about children earlier. And one of the statistics I always share with them is one in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year. And 90% of these children are seeing violence. So can you imagine what's being implanted in them? So our job is to cut that off, to, um, you know, decipher those, uh, that exposure to them and let them have more of a positive outlook on life than to feel that violence is the way. Because um, we don't want this to generation, uh, gener um, you know, continue from generation continue. to generation. 
I got you definitely on that one. Um, so, you know, this is the segment right now where we go into this thing called I Be Damned. And this is where we tell horrible, we tell stories about people dating and it didn't work out the way it's supposed to be. And it, it, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's crazy. But tonight I actually flipped it tonight. I'm actually sh sharing a survivor's story, a domestic violence story tonight. So I Be Damned is coming in about 30 seconds. Let me get it on you ready uh brother for real to put it up uh there we go uh shit my screen where to go at it was just up there this is every week we go through this with this <laughs> i see it popping up there so let me just share it Hold on. It's coming. I just had it up and now it went back down. There we go. We, we kind of switched it oh, up. There we go. You know, when. I don't know if it's showing. No, I see it. Uh, uh, go. I'll be damned. But this week we kind of switched it up, you know, and not going to do the norm. So here's a story, you know, from a young lady who was abused. I met my abuser when I was 14. Mm -hmm. At first, there wasn't physical abuse. It was emotional. He would embarrass me and make me feel inferior in front of other people. It went from verbal to physical real fast. When I was seven months pregnant, he beat me until I was on the floor, curled in a ball. While I was in the hospital having my child, he cashed my mother's check and, and, brought, and bought drugs to sell. We were behind on rent. The landlord took everything I owned. Hold on. I know they said they can't see it. Let me see if I can get it to come on this side. Every week is something with this thing. And it was loaded properly. Yeah. Oh, oh Lord, this. Well, it's loaded, but I can't really get to it again. Let me see, share screen. Hold on. Oh, now you say it's fine after I done played half of it. <laughs> yeah, I can hear it. Yeah, I'm trying to see why, because it came down last week, but this week I'm saying video file, and it's not coming down, but it's in here. It's in the tool. There we go. Good evening welcome to i'll be damned but this week we kind of switched it up you know and not going to do the norm so here's a story you know from a young lady who was abused i met my abuser when i was 14. at first there wasn't physical abuse it was emotional 
He would embarrass me and make me feel inferior in front of other people. It went from verbal to physical real fast. When I was seven months pregnant, he beat me until I was on the floor, curled in a ball. While I was in the hospital having my child, he cashed my mother's check and, and, brought, and bought drugs to sell. We were behind on rent. The landlord took everything I owned out of the home and put it on a curb. Finally, I made up my mind. I wasn't going back. He managed to track me down. He showed up at my doorway, and just like that, it was on again. Mentally, I was broken. He made me believe he was the only person who ever loved me. When I was seven months pregnant with my sixth child, he pulled a gun on me. I saw a big flash of light, and my jaw swayed. I saw my shirt. It was red. The doctors told me that the only reason that the shot didn't kill me because he had the wrong caliber bullet in the gun. While I, was, while I was set on the doorstep, bleeding from the bullet hole in my jaw, the police came and threatened to lock me up if I did not tell who shot me. I gave the name of my abuser, but later recanted my statement because I was scared and told the prosecutor that I shot myself. They dropped all the charges against him, but he ended up going to jail for three years because of a proba probation violation from a previous offense. I had six surgeries, and I'm still living with physical effects of the shooting as well as the trauma. I've been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. I shake in crowds. I always look for an exit. I can't read a book anymore. I can't retain information. My mind is constantly scrambling. My kids suffer. Despite everything that happened, I'm determined to raise awareness about domestic violence. I posted a video on Facebook. I was crying, but I wanted to tell people what I've been through. I didn't realize how many people had watched it, but, it, but the doors started to open. I do a lot of public speaking and even have been asked to work on a play about my story. It's important for women in the situation to hear from one who understands. A lot of people might say you're stupid, you should have stayed gone. They don't understand the hold an abuser has on a victim. See y'all next week. Wow. Yeah, and that's her story that she stated, but I'm, I'm guessing that's normal that, you know, she recanted a story, basically stating like he didn't do it. I've done it by first uh, restraining order. I didn't even go to court. I didn't mm. even go because the aggressor was like, uh, you know, they uh, gaslighted me and was like, you know what? I love you. And, I, and again, as she said, she was already broken. Um, and uh, it was so many connections listening to her story, um, especially when she said, you know, when she was shot and the trauma, uh, the after effects. And that's what I talk about, how trauma gives you those after effects. Like she was saying, even, you know, being able to concentrate, um, you, you, you know, a lot of uh, it's a big impact when you deal with the trauma and a lot i bet it was a lot of self-blame too but when it came she had to make an intelligent decision and i've been there where i was you still want to protect them but you can't 
uh, you cannot. So again, I applaud her bravery and her courage because it takes bravery and courage to share. Uh, like these, like she was saying too, people who will look at you like you're so weak when it's not, you're not weak. Uh, it's called trauma bonding. Uh, when you stay uh, attached to someone who causes you trauma because again, it's been normalized in your life. And you have to have what we call a sever um severing of that individual out your spirit and out your heart and out your mind and it, and everybody's at a different level in doing that so i applaud her for just being courageous and sharing her story because it takes courage um so much and that's again what i do uh with patty inspires i reaffirm any victim that you are courageous and brave um, and speak back into them and because they're broken and that there's some wholeness in you if you reach deep because I've been there. I have absolutely been there. So again, I applaud her. I'm just glad I didn't deal with a gun. And like she said, when the police came, I told you, they told me somebody's going to go to jail. So even now, I don't call them for any, you know, I don't have a lot of um, that is never, I don't ever speak about law enforcement when I am um, dealing or interceding with uh, individuals about uh, exiting. Um, I, I hope they make an intelligent decision without bringing that into it. Okay. Well, Sister Neat Neat said police came and I wasn't brave enough to say yes, yes, something is wrong. Mm -hmm. She wasn't brave enough from when she went to the hospital for three days to tell him that her family and friends convinced her and she finally stepped up and said it. Yeah, I had to buy one of my restraining orders. My sister-in-law was like, I'm taking you down there. You have to do it. Like I said, you just need a safe person that believes in you. And um, I've had my whole, I've had my family terrorized by the aggressor. Uh, one of my brothers moved here and they actually left because of being terrorized literally um, mm -hmm. by the aggressor. So I, I totally understand. But again, I, I again, I applaud bravery and courage for anyone who shares their story and makes, again, an intelligent decision to say, I can't do this anymore. My life is important. Yeah, they just asked, does Miss Patricia also help abuse children? I have not touched on that piece. Again, we are working on that with Patty Inspires to enlarge our influence in different categories of dealing with child abuse, human trafficking. I do have agencies, if they do contact Patty Inspires, that will connect them to agencies that do. Um, the Lifehouse Project is an organization that um, I'll be doing triage management for individuals who are coming in who, are, who want to start transitioning from abuse to recovery. And what we do is we try to house those individuals and get them uh, healthy mentally, physically, and um, um, you know start aiding them on getting back on their feet. So we are trying to enlarge that, but I do have resources that will uh, we can provide for anyone who's dealing with um, children who are being abused. We have an 800 number that we can offer as well for that as well. Okay. Well, thank you for coming, Ms. Patricia. It's been a whole hour. We've been, we've been past the hour. I always say an hour, but you know, people need to be inspired. I mean, you know, brought awareness to us. So we go a little further than this, but uh, 
Where can they reach you if, if somebody's watching and actually having this issue? Where can they reach you at? Well, I'm on Instagram under Patty Inspires Inc. You can always DM me there. Uh, and it also gives a phone number for you to contact and reach out. Also, I'm on Facebook. You can find Patty Inspires Inc. there as well. You can always send me a message um, and I will contact you. It gives the information for um, my organization there. And also, please, please uh, look into getting the ebook. If someone doesn't have, um, I think it's like $9, but if you don't have it, please contact me and say, hey, um, I need that download because, again, it's all about saving lives lives, inspiring, and us all transitioning to a healthy and thriving place in our lives. You can do it. You're courageous, and I believe in you. So I'm here. To, that's my mission. That's my passion, and that's my purpose. Yeah, they said you're responsive, too. And this is based out of Atlanta, correct? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I am in Atlanta. I, you had a conversation with someone earlier because you told me you're from Jersey. I said, people from Jersey let you know they're from Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I sure do because I want you to know about the food thing. I'm missing my food. Yes. Yes. yes he's from Jersey New Jersey. Girl. From North or South? Um, uh, Central Jersey. Oh, more towards Greenbrook, Union, 20, Route Green. 22. Yeah, oh, 22. Yeah, Trenton yes. and all that around there. Okay. Garden yes. State Parkway. Yes, yes. Anywhere that got a diner, I live all up in there. <laughs> so I know this off topic. So I went to Jersey two weeks ago and I was basically cussed out because I went to the diner and ordered uh, mozzarella sticks. I didn't order uh, breakfast food. <laughs> don't tell nobody that. Because, see, I would have said, you got to fax me a pastrami on ride with some golden mustard. <laughs> you don't get mozzarella stick. You go to you go to White Castle for that, and I don't want to bring up White Castle either because that's another thing that I'm totally missing in my life down here. But yeah, well, you have um, you said pastrami, pastrami on white with golden mustard on rye bread. Has on rye bread, pastrami yeah. with golden mustard on rye bread. But you in Atlanta, so you have like the slutty vegan. You have you know things of that nature down there. They they're not doing pastrami, Rob. They're not. <laughs> They're not doing that. <laughs> Let me have my diner food. I, as soon as I get home to Jersey, I, I'm in, at Newark Airport and I'm telling my mom and them, I will see y'all in about an hour and a half because between White Castle, the diner, and going to Jimmy Buffs, that's that's about it, you know? And then I'm ready to see family. So got to get the food on. Got to get the food on. Someone from Atlanta just said, we have crystals and they suck. I know, putting mustard. Don't get me started, y'all. Who puts a mustard? I ain't gonna start because <laughs> I be looking at that burger. Don't put no mustard on that. You better give me some ketchup, you know. So yeah, Ooh. so they feel my pain. Thank you. Yeah. So I remember next time I go to the diner, pastrami and golden mustard on, on rye, rye bread. bread. Yes, it's called a Reuben. <laughs> Say I'm I'm eating this for Patty. I'm getting this Reuben and I'm getting it in. So yes, please do that for me, Rod. I definitely will. I definitely <laughs> will. But thank you for coming on. I you know, appreciate you guys. Multiple bountiful blessings to and you. You're doing great things. Thank you. And we just want to be, you know, slutty vegan is vegan, Rod. I know what it is. <laughs> I know when he said, thank you, sis. Because when he says slutty vegan, I was like, they are not going to give me no pastrami. <laughs> um, it's all right, Rod. But yeah, thank you. We bless you for you know continuing your for continuing your mission out here for those you know of all races and genders that are being abused. Yes. So definitely thank you for coming on and sharing with us. Like I said, I never know what somebody saw today that might 
inspired them. They may DM you, they may call you, or they may yes. have got away from their abuser tonight to say, hey, I got to be free. I got to go. Yes, please do it. And again, if you can, go to PayHip. Um, my ebook is there called Escaping the Wounds. And um, just download that PDF and send it to a friend. Even if you're not experiencing it, someone is being touched that someone knows with some type of abuse because we're all dealing with trauma. And, you know, give that to them so we can continue to save more lives. I appreciate you so much for the platform. Uh, thank you. Anytime, anytime. All right, Anytime guys. you want to come back, you know, I feel like a breast cancer show should be done. So, you know, yes. that's coming. I'll I reach speak. out. Yes, reach out. I'm speaking on Sunday at one of my friend's churches on breast cancer. And again, um, I went through that. And again, my sons were champions right along with me. So, hey, I'm here to speak, use my voice, create awareness. So think of me if you want to, you know, chop it up with that. I'm oh. always here. All right, so we definitely gonna talk about that. Yes. We we find a date and we can bring it on and we go from there. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm excited already. Thank you. Uh, no, thank you for coming. You know, for my guest, Miss Miss Patricia Steele, myself. This has been Amsterdam Talk this week. I will see you next week on the 27th. All with, right. I don't even know what yeah. I'm doing next week. <laughs> I'll be back next week with another episode of I'll Be Damned and. Um, and some more stuff, more antics next week. <laughs> That's <laughs> good. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.